Baby Friday. It's the fan morning show. It's Justin and Ailish. Both feeling a little funky this morning, I tell you that. Invigorated <laughs> by some news that yeah. came on the timeline early this morning. Different approaches for us last night. I think you're loopy for lack of sleep. I've maybe been awake for too long. Oh, Either it's a good way, mix, though. Either it's a way, baby Friday. There's, there's some uh, Baby Friday vibe going on here this it's morning. It's a concoction of vibes. Yes. But my goodness, I rolled into town this morning, pull up my laptop, open the interweb, and Fred Van Vliet went off, folks. If you haven't had a chance yet and you're just waking up, Maybe go watch this in a separate room away from your children yeah. and your loved ones because it's explicit. Freddie goes off. He is going to be hit with a monster fine. We're going to try to predict how much money this guy is going to have to fork over. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors lose last night to the Clippers. They're now 0-6 against Kawhi Leonard. I'm watching the game. Okay, you know, like they're outmatched. It's a good. It was a pretty, you know, yeah. there wasn't much to that game, yeah. right? It was just like, yeah, they're not as good as the Clippers. They don't match up well against the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard owns the Raptors. Yeah, like you could kind of uh, you're writing your little notes. Not too much meat on that bone. Holy, I, I don't even. Fred just he gets on the uh, he gets on the post game podium. And if you had played this for me and you didn't tell me it was about last night last night's game, I would have thought it was from a previous game because I don't really understand. We'll break we'll break it down. But Fred's asked about how the game went and um he received a tech in the game, which wasn't one of the techs that we saw two nights ago against the Denver Nuggets, like that type of fire. Like, easy, easy to gloss over this. Maddie D and Alvin did talk about it briefly. Yeah. Uh, but they were talking about how they missed what happened. There was just a little confusion, but like mm-hmm. there wasn't much from the game that you're like, wow, what a what just happened there between Fred and the official? There was it wasn't really like that. Like we came on after the the Denver Nuggets game, and it was the, the topic. Scotty gets ejected. He's talking to the refs, and it's very contentious, and it was heated. And post game, you know, Nick Nick Nurse was as red as a tomato, and that was a major storyline. Nonetheless, Fred VanVleet goes on. The podium. We're going to play clip number one, addressing official Ben Taylor. And uh, this this is going to surprise you. I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was f***ing terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just f*** the game up. You know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bullshit tech. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um, just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that shit. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was and um it's been disappointing this season um you can look up most of my texts this year have been with ben taylor officiating so at a certain point as a player you feel it's personal and um it's never a good place to be that's not why we lost tonight we got outplayed um but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome holy crap <laughs> the shout out to josh is like getting the the bleep button ready this morning this is grinding in the booth over there. Uh, he had to go over that a couple times, I'm sure, just to make sure he got every single one of those expletives. Ben Taylor's like 
Imagine him. He's probably listening to this. He's probably fast asleep. Has no oh, idea. Yeah, he's gonna wake well, up maybe his morning. phone went nuts on the way. Actually, I don't know. Maybe he's headed to a hotel or something. Enough time better, to see it. Either way, if he had no idea what happened, wakes up and sees this. He's, it's going to be quite the morning for old Ben Taylor. So Fred clearly has some grudge with Ben Taylor to have mentioned and multiple and, times. And believes that Ben Taylor has a grudge with him. And we're going to have to go back. That's going to be, I'm sure the Raptors show today, 2 o'clock, is going to have like the history timeline of the Fred Van Vliet, Ben Taylor saga. We don't have that yet, but well, to be They're going to have the benefit produced. of like knowing what happened before having to address it. And yeah. that's what kind of, that was my experience last mm-hmm. night. So I went to bed early. I watched it this morning. The first thing I saw when I woke up was these were these Fred comments. So I'm basically, I'm watching the game, but I'm watching Ben Taylor and Fred Van Vliet the entire two. time. Like if I could just watch them, I mean, that's the story of the game. So I'm like locked in on those two the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting some major, major fireworks. I'm expecting some major grievances. I'm expecting the Raptors to be hard done by in the game and frankly, I didn't see it. I didn't see anything that was particularly uh, unfair, unjust. I, Fred did take that tech. We talked about it earlier. You don't really see it on the broadcast. It's not a, They didn't make much of a thing mm-hmm. of it. It seems like Fred was just kind of like, compl- he does address it. So we'll get to what, what his uh, rationale and his explanation for that. But there was really just one moment where it was kind of like a reach-in foul on Kawhi. It was sec- It was uh, Fred's second of the game. It was about the end of the first quarter, maybe the early second quarter. And he does, like, go right up to Ben Taylor and start, like, jawing with him a little bit. But it was, like, really harmless. It was a foul. It was not a big deal whatsoever. And until the tech, there wasn't really much between them. And it didn't really... Like, it seemed like Fred had a snarl on from the start. Like, Mm. he was just a little pissed off for whatever reason, whether it was because he knew Ben Taylor was there, Ben (laughs) Taylor did something, that he's just not having a good day. It felt like Fred was not really pleased the entire time, but it wasn't like the officials made it that way, at least to me. And I had the benefit, unlike anyone else who watched the game last night, of watching it knowing how Fred felt after, and it didn't really align to me, honestly. For me, it was a a non-factor. Yeah. And if you look at the stat, like way more free throw attempts for the Clippers, but guess what? Oh, it was 23 to 18. They earned oh, for it. for fouls, yeah. They earned it. They were the better <laughs> team. Kawhi was the most, you know, he was more aggressive than anyone else. He earned his trips to the line. The Clippers were just the better team. The Raptors were settling for jump shots. And guess what happens when those two things, when, you, when you're aggressive, you get calls. When you settle for jump shots, you have empty possessions. And that's what happened in the game. That was the difference in the game. It didn't feel like Fred was hard done by at all. I wonder how much of this has to do with the Nuggets game on Wednesday or Tuesday. Tuesday? What day is it? Monday. Earlier this week. Monday. We I talked won- about it. I too. wonder how much of this has to do with lingering frustration, you know, maybe trying to make a message heard, even though it's a day or two later about how Scotty Barnes and Mm -hmm. that whole situation went Mm -hmm. different ref and crew, of course, but you know, this is going to pop off. It's got a million views on Twitter already. It's like, this is a significant thing. He says, I'm going to take the fine. That fine's going to be hefty because that is not just like, Oh, the refs suck tonight. Like he goes in on this guy, multiple F bombs and just cuts him down. and says he has a grudge, which is another thing about the integrity, right? Like you want, 
you want people to believe that the referees can come in and not have any lingering feelings towards players. So he basically calls this guy out and says that he has it out to, out to get him. And so I, I think it'll be a significant fine. If you're putting money on it, what are you guessing that he's going to have to cough over today? Uh, my first reaction was 100000 in a game, honestly. Like, it is... I don't know the precedent, like, off the top of my head. Maybe if it was the NHL, I'd be, give, I'd be able to give you, like, a better or more educated guess. Mm-hmm. But he doubled and tripled down. Oh, he kept saying yeah. it. He kept going to the well. He acknowledged he was going to take a fine. So he's like, hey, listen to me. Listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to go in on this guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it has to... For that reason, I think we've seen less get a game... I've seen a couple clips, one Shaq just criticizing officials very quickly, not as well thought out, not as planned. Like what, (laughs) this is not, you know, this is not murder, but it's the first degree complaining, right? This is planned and executed complaining. This isn't spur of the moment. This is planned, thought out, executed. And he was so like stoic too. I know, it was, that's the crazy thing about it. He's like, hey, here we go. Listen to me. (laughs) Not that I've seen people do this, but like you see like a bet, $100,000, awful bet, someone just wastes their money. We've seen people blow 100 light 100k on fire i've never seen someone do it so calmly it was just like i want to spend a hundred thousand dollars right now Mm -hmm. and get try to get my money's worth and he did try to get his money's worth i guess the problem with the oh he got his money's worth at least thing is that you might be sitting a game i think there's a good chance he Mm. gets suspended for this again maybe i'm wrong i think he probably should because if you're talking about like if you're the nba you 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 want to come down on this. Yeah, this you is, kind of want to set a precedent that you're not coming on the podium after an insignificant ask night, too. Because the, mm-hmm. the, I think the NBA probably saw Monday's game and every single national reporter that was sharing these clips, and they probably thought, yeah, maybe that was a bit much with what happened on Monday night. Yeah, they're hyper aware of like this kind of relationship with the officials and the mm-hmm. players, and it might be boiling over at this point, and then Fred takes it completely over the line. That's when you step in, you send a message. If it's a game, you didn't just get your money's worth and do something mm-hmm. good. You actually have now hurt your team. And the truth of the matter is, Fred was awful in the second half of this game. He was one of the main reasons why they lost. He didn't score in the final 22 minutes, I think, of the game. Ended up with 13 points, I think. He had 11 in the first half, scored a bucket, his last bucket of the game, I believe, two minutes into the, the second half. He did nothing. In the second half of the game, he was, yes, affected by that technical, but he let it affect the entire game himself. It wasn't about, hey, the, the, what did this one point do? Mm-hmm. So one possession game for many moments after that. They had their chance to grab that game, but Fred was distracted. Fred wasn't in it. Fred was bad down the stretch, and that's why they lost. That's what took them out of the game, which is like, okay, you want to send a message. Well, you've now hurt your team in one game, an important game, and yeah. now maybe you're not going to be available for the next game. When you need to wait, be winning games as yeah. well. So it's the context that matters a lot. I, I'm not going 100K. I'm thinking 25. Then it's it's money's worth of 25 then. You don't think he's getting suspended? That's a bargain. You don't think he's getting suspended? Because that's the most important thing. Like, we, we went over his career earnings. It's between 25 and 50 for me. Is it a game, though? Because the money doesn't matter. It doesn't. hundred grand, that sucks. Well, we just but looked it up before we, we got could, on the air. He's got $81 million career earnings so far. He's got $23 million on deck and then like max contracts coming down the line. This is this is chump change. We could quickly do the math here on like the percentage of his salary 100 grand is mm-hmm. to like the percentage of a teacher's salary or our salaries. And I'm sure it like it would be, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, 100 bucks. 
Like I don't I don't know. I, if I'm getting a hundred dollar parking ticket, I'm devastated. I, I'm, de- I'm devastated. I'm too. calling Toronto parking police. Help, <laughs> yes. please! I made a mistake. I didn't see the sign. There was snow. It's a day bank. Yeah. It's a day <laughs> It's done. really it's a really a rough moment for some people that are not making twenty one point two five million dollars a year. But frankly, it's not a big deal for him. Yeah. He's made. He's scheduled to make one hundred and four million dollars at the bare minimum based on his current contract over the course of his career. He's going to be fine without the hundred k. But what does matter is the game. Yeah. And I mean, and if he if he is suspended for a game, the Raptors are tooth and nail right now. There are a couple, I think there are one and a half games back of the eight spot. They're scheduled to play a play-in game to get into a win or mm-hmm. lo- win or uh go home scenario. Like they need to win basketball games, and Fred taking himself out of basketball games is the worst thing for the Raptors. Yeah, right? and and you're and so this is a tough spot to be in because he's a leader, he's a vet. He has opportunity to take this team to the next level. You mentioned 15 regular season games remaining. They are a half game ahead of Washington for ninth place, a game and a half back of Atlanta for eighth, and two games back of Miami for seventh. So that's as we mentioned, every single game matters. Every single opportunity to take a leap in the standings. They got the Lakers on Friday night. Like it's a winnable game, but if you're without Fred. Everything changes once again. So you're in the position to make a statement. Was that the level of statement needed to make? I don't know. He probably feels cathartic after that. Like it, it also is distracting, though. So depends on the way you you perceive it. I think we have one more clip of his to yeah, play. Let's, let's finish um, off the storyline, and we'll see your part two. I think that um, there's been certain times this year where I feel our team is getting consumed with the way the whistle's going, especially after the night we just had in Denver, the way that finished. So there's a couple calls early that we all disagree with. And if I say to my team, come on, guys, let's keep playing through the bullshit, and that's, that warrants a tech, I think that's I think that's a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? I, I think that, um, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And And... There's a fine line, obviously, I understand that. But um I think the jurisdiction and, and, and the the power trip that we've been on this year with some of our officials in this league is, is getting out of hand. And um I'll take my fine for speaking on it, but um it's just it's ridiculous. Uh by the way, zero point four seven percent of Fred's salary is a hundred grand. <laughs> so if it's fifty, we're talking zero point two percent. this is drop of the bucket territory. Mm-hmm. So that's that's important context. Uh the I the, the play through the bull crap line is very ironic. As I laid out, he did not have a good fourth quarter. He did not play well after he took that tech. So if you're preaching, hey, we got to play through that. You didn't. You didn't do it yourself. You didn't do it yourself. You stopped playing once that happened. You are not practicing what you're preaching in that moment. And for that, like I had the same reaction as you when I immediately saw it. I was like, okay, this is leader. This is his attempt at being a leader. He's showing leadership. He's sticking up for Scotty Barnes because Scotty took the brunt of this mm-hmm. the other game unfairly, way more unfairly than Fred last game where he was thrown out for, for sure. probably did not deserve to get thrown out. I don't think I guess we're kind of like assuming a little bit based on what was said, but it didn't look like much. It looked like something that you just have to play through. And Fred failed to do that to, or last night. But also, I just thought, okay, he's trying to step up for his guy. He's he's trying to show that it's not just it's not just Barnes dealing with this. I'm dealing with too. But in the end, we both have to like play through this stuff. And he didn't show that on the court. And what he said, despite maybe good intentions in the media, it kind of rings hollow if you don't practice what you preach. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just 
I don't know if it was leadership. I don't know if he was just unhappy and pissed off. As I mentioned earlier on in the day, it kind of looked like that, but I don't know. It's uh, it kind of falls short when, when you're not, when not, you're not doing your part and maybe the, the official was doing too much, but Fred was doing too little in the end. I don't know if it's just because we only really consume Toronto Raptors basketball, but it feels like they complain more than any team in the NBA about mm-hmm. any call. I think it stems from Nick Nurse. Clearly, his reactions on the sideline, I, I got to think at some point become distracting to the players and also are a trickle effect of like, if Nick Nurse is popping off red face after every single missed call, now I see, I feel like I, I'm watching Scotty Barnes all the time because I'm seeing his arms up in the air. I'm seeing him like complain to refs on every call. I'm not saying that this is like a system of, you know, a massive problem that's trickled down from leadership or from Nick Nurse or from Fred Van Vliet, but it just seems like we come on here more often than not with some sort of comment about maybe a lack of maturity or a frustration or letting these things kind of get in the way of playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Like there's got to be a point where you just shut up about it and play through it. Never are you going to get a game that's properly 100% officiated in your favor and both teams being fair. Like it, it starts to really bug me when we always have to talk about attitude and uh, letting things get in the way of playing basketball. Just play basketball. It's part of this team's DNA, the complaining. Yeah. It really is. And you're right about like top down, Nick Nurse, he does it constantly. And if that's all you've seen, if you're Scotty Barnes in your career in the NBA, you've seen your coach upset all the time feeling that you're hard done by and all the time, time is you're gonna feel, like, you're gonna there's feel like justification for some sometimes yeah. but that's every nba team it's a really exactly. hard it's a really hard sport to officiate really hard everything is subjective everything happens really fast there are going to be missed calls there are going to be times where you feel like you're getting the short end of the stick but it seems like everything scotty knows in the at the nba level is mm-hmm. complaining over and over and over again. Like, we're not, we don't feel like we're getting the benefit of the doubt over and over and over again every night. And Fred is a, an extension of the coaching staff. He is the leader on this team. He is the guy everyone should be looking towards. And when he's falling down this trap too, it's like, it's just going to keep, it's the self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. It's the nonstop feedback loop. It just continues and continues and continues because the Raptors as part of their DNA, feel like they are hard done by. And one more ironic thing from his comments and how it all played out. So we're talking about Scott Foster on Monday night against the, against the Nuggets and the preconceived notion. He comes in, he wants to make it part of him. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the guy. Everyone knows Scott Foster. You leave him alone because he comes in with these biases or a statement, uh, authority thing, uh, whether it's a complex, but you just want to have power and control because you're Scott Foster. This tonight was proof that players come in with preconceived notions and biases too. Because Fred was mad at Ben Taylor before Ben Taylor did anything that he could really complain about. Was did the did the one uh reach in foul set him off on Kawhi Leonard that much? No, it was a foul. It was your second foul of the game. It's not a big deal. You're winning the get- game at that point. You were just mad at Ben Taylor before you came in. You came in and saw the game sheet, saw who was officiating, and you were angry about it before because you know mm-hmm. that Ben Taylor has given you six texts or whatever it is prior to this one. He knows 
that there's a... Like he knows the exact number. Fra- yeah, <laughs> That's he knew. crazy. He knew that there's a frayed relationship here. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's been hard done by by this person. But guess what? If you don't like each other, if two people hate each other, you're going to know. You're going to mm-hmm. understand that you're in each other's crosshairs. And Fred was set off way too easily. He came in with the same preconceived notions that he is blaming officials for. He did what he thinks Ben Taylor did, but on a grander scale last night. And that's the problem. Like, you guys have to just play basketball and stop complaining Mm because you're going to set Scott Foster off and stop letting an official's presence throw you off in a game that is important and is of the must-win sort of caliber. They need to win games. They need to get in the eighth spot, and they keep slipping because they're letting outside factors and officials impact the game. I will say... I feel like I'm, I am I got nothing left on the Fred Van Vliet stuff. Small factor in the actual way that the game, the result went. Obviously, the post-game storyline is Fred. But the Raptors came out strong in that first quarter, and it looked like they were going to have a really great performance, and the same thing kind of happens with the Raptors. They start strong, they fall off a little bit, then they have that last couple-minute push where you're like, yes, I believe in this team. Alex Wong had a funny tweet. It was like, the Raptors are the most fun team to watch or the best team uh, with like five points at, at the end of a game. Like it's like, it really gets you going, but you know, it's just like, it's get just, I would like some results. Uh, the Raptors are the most exciting team in the league when they're trailing eight to 10 points with a minute 53 left in the fourth. And it's funny because it's true. Like they yeah. turn it on at the very end and it's not enough. And, and Scotty Barnes is a big part of that. Like Scotty Barnes is kind of like, he's been a lot better. But he's mm-hmm. been float, not floating, but he's, he doesn't find his like niche or his, he carves out that important role until late in the game. And often it's when the game is out of reach. Like he was really good down mm-hmm. the stretch. He was very impactful down the stretch. But guess what? Everybody else stopped playing because they didn't need to play anymore. The Clippers knew they had won the game. They just had to get through these possessions, get to the final whistle and get off the court. And it seems like too often the Raptors are, are too good or at their best when they're down 15 late. And I think Scotty Barnes is a big part of that. You've got to be able to find and harness that assertiveness earlier on and find a way to be like, okay, so everyone else is shutting off a little bit. You got to be, you got, can't wait till everyone's shutting off a little bit. You have to be that assertive Scotty earlier. And I, in I think games. that's going to come with experience. Certainly. That's Second year guy. Definitely. I'm not picturing him taking the team every single game to that level. I think that's a hope in the next couple of years that he becomes that guy, but the Raptors yesterday took more shots than the Clippers. They shot 41% from three, but then went 21 for 53 in the paint. The game was lost in the paint. Clippers outshot them um, 70% where it mattered in the paint. And the Raptors just like got outclassed by Kawhi Leonard. And you watch that game and you're like, oh my God, wouldn't it be nice to have him on the Toronto Raptors? He's a superstar, hmm. and the Raptors just couldn't match up against him. Not that I'm surprised about that because it's Kawhi Leonard, but you have a poor shooting night, and it shows like you just don't have the offense to keep up to a Clippers team that has him and Paul George, and they just the outclass is the right way to put it. In, in terms of the way that Kawhi just can control a game. And it's nostalgic. <laughs> I miss that. Yeah, I mean, you know? we, we saw it for one season mm-hmm. on this side where it's like, okay, he can be that difference maker. He's the one who can change the complexity of a game. He's the one that can basically control the outcome when he's on. And 
I don't know. It's, watching him, I'm like, I'm not like conflicted. And I'm, I, I don't feel that nostalgia. I don't feel like the, oh, I wish, wish you were still here because the context of the last three seasons, which have been somewhat nightmarish for the LA Clippers, like best laid plans, clearly, mm-hmm. they ha- it hasn't gone the way that they thought. But yeah, I mean, like it happens against the Raptors. They ha- they you can they see you can Kawhi see the potential. They haven't beat Kawhi, and, and that's the Kawhi thing. But it's also frustrating because you haven't got you haven't got even what the Raptors got out of Kawhi, and they had to massage that mm-hmm. situation. Like that's Kawhi. Like it's, he's not the guy who's a gamer who just goes out and plays. It's like there's always something, and he is turning it up here. He is playing a lot more. The Clippers seem a little bit more locked in now than maybe they had been at the start of the season, which would be completely understandable. But it just feels like there's that little bit of like, he's not fully all in. Even still, even watching him in that game, it just seems like he's breezing through things. (laughs) And I don't know if it'll ever, like I, I, not that I maintain like the Raptors got the last bit out of this player. I don't think it would have been necessarily a great thing if he stuck around though, because he didn't really want to be there. And we saw what happened over the last couple of years where there was injuries and inconsistencies and absences. It just seems like he's not the guy you can completely rely on. And we'll see if it happens at least once for the Clippers, but I'm not really convinced that it will. Yeah, they're like a similar record. Clippers 35 and 33. Like how is that team 35 and 33? They're way better st- like skill-wise than statistically. They should be way over 500. And I mean, they could win some games down the stretch, and they can make some noise. But Kawhi Leonard is—he's—it's kind of—I don't know if I'm fully in the same boat as like he doesn't look like he gives it all. Like I just feel like he's just like a guy that you don't—he has no emotion. Like you can never really tell. Well, that's true. Like he just looks—I'm here to play basketball. You know, ha ha ha. And maybe it means a little bit to him too. I'm a fun guy. Yeah. To beat the Raptors. He's a fun guy. He's, he is 6 and 0 against the Raptors. Like I think he he's ma- doing all right. <laughs> he makes a point when he's available to beat this team or to put forth a good effort and he was the best player on the floor last night. There's no doubt about that. So Raptors 9 and 5 since February 3rd um having a little bit of a tough go on this five game road trip 1 and 3. They have an opportunity to get back at it Friday night 10:30 against the Lakers and then headed home after that uh, Scotiabank Arena for a little bit. So, I don't know. We're going to get more information on Fred Van Vliet and maybe his uh, his pending fine, maybe pending suspension. I'm sure we'll find out uh, by by time for the Raptors show this afternoon. But Yeah, we'll see uh, if they're Fredless in the second half of that L.A. back-to-back. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's simple things like, yeah, a, a technical maybe throws them off. But the Raptors are too vulnerable to other things, right? Like Fred playing poorly in the second half killed them. The bench being awful. Two for 11, Gary Trent Jr. And I think the, the main buckets came late in the game. Like he did nothing when that game Gary was Trent still Jr. in the Gary Trent Jr. didn't have a point for like three quarters. He was, he was Zero awful. Zero points. He was awful. Zero. Three, three of their four bench players combined for two of 15 shooting. Like Precious Achua was a complete non-factor. <sighs> Just not enough, right? Not mm-hmm. enough contribution up and down uh, the roster. You can only, if you have good games from only a couple guys, a small handful, it's just not enough. You're not talented enough to get by with that. Maybe the Clippers are, but the Raptors aren't. All right, let's shift to some Blue Jays spring training. We've got uh, some great guests, of course, lined up today. Donovan Bennett's going to join us at 7 a.m. 
we'll get more into the Fred stuff. Um, I wonder if he's waking up to those quotes. I, I hope he gets a coffee in before he listens to that. Arden Zwelling is going to join us at 730 from Dunedin. We're going to have Mark Messier on the show at 8 a.m. Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champ is going to join us. He's obviously working with ESPN as well, so get some of his takes league-wide, but mm-hmm. he's coming on at 8 a.m. And then we're going to break down the uh, Players' Championship with Sam McKee, producer of Real Kipper and Born, who you know, and the golf show, show um, do some picks for us. Looking ahead to that teeing off today. Um, but Blue Jays spring training, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks in terms of taking tangible storylines out of uh, an extended stretch, which is a ramp-up period. Like, you're not thinking game one that you've figured this team out. There's there's time for growth and trial and error. Um, but when we look at spring training in general, opening day's three weeks away. Like, this really snuck up for me personally. Like, three weeks? It's yeah, like it's we're in the wild. middle of winter, and now it's three weeks away. It does seem like spring training's been, like, are we a month? We're about a month into spring training, at least pitchers mm-hmm. and catchers being there. Uh, but it does go by really, really fast. Three weeks, mm-hmm. it seems like we there's oh still God, a lot happening. still a lot that we have to see. We haven't seen Brandon Belt taking at bat yet. Like there's a lot of things that we still have to see that's here right. uh at spring training. And uh maybe that's one of the things that you care about. We're gonna, we're gonna it, uh, spoiler is alert. It? Okay. It is. So we're gonna look into a couple storylines that we are still really honed in on. Um I think it's a good opportunity. You can send that in as well at five ninety five ninety. We're all watching as much spring training as we can and trying to take away little tidbits of things that we care about. We talked about Kikuchi yesterday. I think that's an easy one, like a layup of a of an answer. But this Kikuchi start has been extremely promising, and maybe you hold a little bit of uh, pause before you get fired up. But MVP of the Grapefruit League, you know, he's been he came out red hot. He looks like he's got this swagger. I guess an easy storyline is how real is this? Like, how much can he do over the next three weeks to continue to earn the trust of not only this fan base, but of his team and his pitching staff and John Schneider? I think those are really important storylines. I'm just giving that one as like a freebie. It's it's on my list too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely the most intriguing thing from from the start of training camp or in spring training for the, for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Like, Without question, it's the most important storyline because it means something to this ball club pretty pretty considerably. You think like, it's the most important? I think it's the most important development if it's real, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I guess I was going to preface my storylines with the fact that it can't be Jose Barrios because mm-hmm. Jose Barrios isn't actually at spring training with the Toronto Blue Jays right now. He's with Puerto Rico, but I think that's a good thing because it forces us to I, look I kind of also feel otherwise. like it's, I, I'm kind of combining what's happening at WBC. That's fine. Yeah, okay. okay. So just when I put together my list, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put Barrios in. But if you, don't, if you don't put Barrios in for me, you have to put Kikuchi 100%. in. 100%. Because it's really Barrios and Kikuchi, 40% of the starting rotation, at least if it's a default. Uh, and they mean the world to this team. They mean coming first or second or maybe third in the division because they are going to log a lot of innings unless you find replacements and there's no immediate replacement for these two. Yeah, you could overlook Kikuchi if he was a complete nightmare again. You could find someone else to log those innings. Would you feel good about it? No. So if Barrios turns things around, you feel good about it. But if Kikuchi can actually be a positive as -hmm. your fifth starter and he's been nothing but a positive, he's been dominant in the spring training so far, he's been the grapefruit 
League MVP, <laughs> and we're going to keep banging that Get drum. Get the golden grapefruit. I think Kikuchi's storyline is the most intriguing, the most important, the thing that stands out the most. And I want to consent because it's but like what's what's left to find out. There's still more to find out here with Kikuchi mm-hmm. for that reason. Like it has to be on my list. And in terms of competition, uh, Mitch White arrived at camp with the shoulder issue. Of course, he threw a 43 pitch bullpen over the weekend. He's scheduled to toss live bullpen on Friday against Jay's hitter. So he's coming. He's coming back here in the fold. Um, if he checks out, team's going to proceed with getting him in a Grapefruit League game. So I don't think that he's ramping up fast enough to be saying, oh my God, he's going to challenge Kikuchi. But Kikuchi has this in the palm of his hand. Like legitimately, he's got this wrapped up right now unless the train goes off the tracks. And so all it is is just being consistent. And that was a major problem in Kikuchi's career in the last year and a half. He's just pitching. And if he just pitches. Just do it, buddy. It might be <laughs> all right. the ball. Okay, so Kikuchi, obviously, slash Barrios, uh, major storylines for me. Dalton Varsho, like we traded Gabriel Moreno for this guy. And Lourdes. And Lourdes. And we got Swanson and we traded Teo. Like, I think sometimes we get excited about the faces we already know. But these guys have to come in and be ballers. Like, we got rid of, we got worse in those trades without seeing how uh, how impactful these guys are. Like, on paper, people are like, ooh, I don't know. Like, we lost a lot. Mm -hmm. So they have big expectations and they have an opportunity to really win the hearts of Blue Jays. And I just think it's been a little quiet with Varsho and Swanson, of course. Like, we're not... I think Varsho's making some noise. Really? How many times have we talked about Varsho on the show? We haven't talked about him much, but I I feel like there's some real positive energy around that. That's a storyline that I want to follow for the next two to three weeks. I guess it has to break into our consciousness a little bit more, but I don't think anyone's down on Varsho right now. No, I don't think they are down on it either. But the next two to three weeks, for me, I want to pay more attention to what we traded for. What we gave up, some major assets that kind of shook Blue Jays' fandom for a bit. Mm-hmm. For these guys that, I don't I, I can't tell you how many VAR show innings that I've watched prior to finding this guy with the Blue Jays. So I think there's a really big opportunity for a feeling of, okay, we know this team's on the right path. Like they made a trade that maybe made people a little bit unhappy, mm-hmm. but it was for the right reason because these guys are proven to be a step ahead or step above what we actually had. So I think that's a really important thing. Like I, I kind of forget sometimes that we traded these guys that meant a lot to this organization or were going to mean a lot to this organization for some guys that really got to prove it. So that's a storyline for me. I'm sort of going in reverse order, uh, but I think this one's connected to that. Um, one of my things is just like in what ways this team continues to be like materially different under mm. Schneider and Mattingly. And I think Varsho's kind of maybe most representative of that a little bit. So we know there are going to be more lefties in the lineup. We're, we know fewer home run jackets. We got guys talking about, and a guy like Varsho bunting for base hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more evidence that a guy like Varsho would be taking away base hits in the outfield. We also have the new rules. So there's a lot of different things that are just like already like set in stone. It's a new reality. But there's a, it's a point of curiosity for me because it seems like there's a li- real like deliberation when it comes to changing the identity of the team. And I kind of not even on the field either. Just yeah, every, mm-hmm. the way people are talking, the way that they want to play, the way John Schneider is setting up certain things within his organizational structure, the home run jacket. There are a lot of different things that they're just trying to. It's it's a certain it's a definite culture shift that mm-hmm. they're aiming for this year. And I wonder how we'll respond to all that as we continue to see it. How fans will respond to that. Certain players will respond to that because, yeah, like you mentioned the outgoing players, 
they were well loved. Mm-hmm. They were well respected. They were woven through the fabric of this team and this organization. And I just want to see and continue to see the ways in which this team is different and if that's even a good thing. Yeah, the culture shift for me is pretty significant because I didn't think that the Blue Jays had a poor culture. I thought they had, we used to use this in um, on my college hockey team, different types of culture, championship culture, country club culture. And, it was kind of country club culture. And, and we used to have this conversation all the time, like what's going to take you to championship culture? Well, you have to make tough decisions. You have to maybe find uncomfortable decisions and conversations that take you from country club, which is fun and joyous, but maybe not as challenging and maybe not as competitive to a championship culture. And maybe that's what the Blue Jays knew behind the scenes. Like, we don't know, but it seems like very meaningful to hire Don Mattingly to get this James Click dude that literally just came from winning a World Series and Mm -hmm. has done an incredible job at, at creating a championship culture. You get rid of some of these guys that were really faces of this team and and joyous and fun then you go on making sure that the home run jacket is a conversation enough that it's like we're changing uh the seriousness of this team i just think it's it's a really interesting point and for me i i think that is the focus and the maturity coming in about this is our window like you know the home run jacket isn't going to make or break this team but maybe it just adds an extra emphasis on being dialed in hundred and whatever games in a row and being sure to to take every opportunity to be professionals. It just seems like there's been a shift. I think you distilled what I was trying to say perfectly, which is I think they asked themselves over the off season, how far can fun take you? Mm. And it's it's important to be having fun. It's a grind. Like it's long. Yeah, we're not talking about no games. smiles like, here. No, you have to have fun, but there has to be a level of seriousness too, mm-hmm. and maybe that's part of what they're miss or what they were missing. Maybe that's something that Schneider's identified. Like there, it's just a little too loose, and we've got to put our focus and energy. We got to slightly narrow it, and I feel like yeah. it's going to be there are going to be different things. I don't think we because we haven't seen the team right. Right, you see just fragments of the team throughout the course of spring training, but when it's all together, what it looks like, what it feels like, I think that's that's one of the more intriguing things for me. Uh, over the next three weeks. Um, do you have another one or not? Because we can move to our new hit or miss. Again. No, I got uh, I got a last one. I'll go quickly on this because yeah. I already kind of oh, no teased rush. it a little bit. Uh, what we see from Brendan Belt. Um, he's not had an at-bat yet, as I mentioned, but it seems like maybe more so than we thought that the Blue Jays are pretty pot committed with this guy, this veteran who's only making $9 million. He's on his way back from a knee issue. It just seems like that's an outstanding bit of like really, really important information. It feels like he's going to play or at least, least, excuse me, earmarked for a pretty important role for this team. And I feel like that's an underrated storyline, something that's kind of flying under the radar, how important this sort of unknown who's dealt with injury, affecting him all last season, is currently dealing with injury coming back from. We haven't seen him take a a plate appearance yet. Like I, I just feel like it's an important thing that we haven't addressed in any meaningful way yet. And I'm excited to see what he looks like when he's actually healthy and ready to contribute. Blue Jays have a pair of split squad games today. You can see Kevin Gosman on the mound against the Braves at 1 p.m. on Sportsnet, streaming on sportsnet.ca 590 and the Sportsnet app. Um, quickly, Canada, the WBC maybe the worst professional sporting jerseys of our era <laughs> yeah, representing not good. team canada not good. 
What is going on there? That is Zeller's slash GT Boutique. What's GT Boutique? What? What is that? Giant Tiger. GT Boutique, man. You grew up in Brampton. Is You're that not like small a, town. Is that a real thing or is that a, the, like a you're making fun folks, of Giant Tiger? No, that's what we call GT Boutique. Giant Tigers. Yeah, GT Boutique. Okay. God. I'm sorry. I, I've never. Go I don't to know, a hamlet. I don't, I don't know if I've ever stepped foot in a Giant Tiger. I'm wow, I can't believe it. There was one right on Main Street in Sutton. I used to go GT Boutique it up. But this is where you would find this said jersey. If you haven't had a chance to look at Canada's jerseys for WBC, ooh, they're rough. I will good. not be lining up to buy that. I'll tell you that. You'll uh, just if you haven't seen it, you'll be squinting to try and read the letters, the six letters needed to spell Canada. It's tough, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna grind Although, it out. Is folks. There's three A's in Canada. Is it six letters? Anyway, you need six. Yeah, there's three. You need six, six symbols letters. to spell Canada, and you're gonna be hard pressed to see them They're on bad. the front of the jersey. They're pretty bad, but you know, just. Uh... Just outperform the jerseys and we'll be happy. Um, okay, so we're going to do a, a new segment. Maybe we sprinkle this in throughout the shows. We're a little pressed for time here. Called Hit or Miss. You want to break down and do it on the other side? Um, hello, there's the A-list. Okay, I'm just wow. throwing it out there. You just wanna, throwing it out there as a potential. You want to get rid of the A-list. I'm just... The day after International Women's Day. It was just an option. Screw it. You can lead this See segment. 364 days. It better be a good A-list item for that. <laughs> Actually, two really good A-list okay. items. Like, you know I'm looking what? forward to They're it. They're awesome. Both the guys behind the glass were like, yeah. I sent in two audio clips for it. I grinded for the A-list, okay, and you we'll want to punt we'll it do the into next week. Why don't we give more time for the A-list then, and then we'll, right. you know, we'll sprinkle hit or miss. Let's do the A-list then. That was a certain miss on my part. Yeah, ma- massive miss. Okay, A-list on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the Fan. fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, jam packed A list today. Good oh, thing we're doing it. At first, well, this is a perfect segue from Josh. So credit where credit's due. And Justin wanted to flush away the A list. That is pretty good. Steve Ballmer. Made headlines yesterday. As we know, the Clippers are getting a new arena, the Intuit Dome. It's That's a good name, by the way. Some of like the sponsors, it works better than others. Yeah, like Crypto.com. That sounds pretty good. Intuit Dome sounds pretty good. The Intuit Dome, um, a $500 million sponsorship, a $1.2 billion arena set to be opened in 2024. Steve Ballmer, obviously a part of this uh hype train he was speaking to media he's the clippers owner of course um about some of the features that this new arena will have and i don't think i've ever been more excited about anything in my life than steve Ballmer and toilets toilets 's this guy's blood pressure at? I don't know. Through the roof, Justin. Okay. <laughs> it's got to be an unhealthy level for Stevie Ballmer. Toilets, 1,160 of them, and urinals, three times the NBA average. <laughs> it's actually 1, amazing. 1,160 toilets in that? 
It's amazing. Man. I hope everybody finds something in their life that makes them as happy as that guy in toilets because this is pure joy on his face. Go watch the video. He is ecstatic. He's what is the word? Exuber. It was exuberation as well. He we had- toilets. <laughs> <laughs> exuberation. The new word of English dictionary. I love how we had a stat. What was it? Five times the average. Three times, Three times the average. Get it right. Three, Three times. times the average okay. is very very funny. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, okay, one more for you here. Uh, oh, maybe two. Wow, we got so much time for the A-list. What a treat. Uh, Joe Mazzula, um, also doing weird things in the media. Man, they just they put out clips thinking this is perfect for A-list's A-list. Um, he's on a podcast. Uh, he's talking about his life and his journey into being in the NBA um, with the Celtics. And... <laughs> I guess everybody finds a way to be a professional, to treat their body right, to get to that elite level of grind. And for him, he does something that might might be a practice that you might want to integrate into your sleep this schedule. Is, this is the coach of the Boston That's Celtics. That's correct. Okay. Who also is, you know, he's, he's an athlete. He's got to prepare himself to prepare his team. Mm-hmm. This is what he does uh, while he sleeps. That apparently gives him a, an added edge. You know, I remember my first year in the league, um, I wasn't used to having all this great food around. It was food in the facility, pregame, postgame, food on the plane. So I, you know, got really, really worn down and tired halfway through my first year and uh, just kind of took a different approach. and was like, you know, how can I optimize to make sure, you know, I have to be at my best as a coach. And so sleep's really, really important. And, and uh, you know, Mount Tapis plays a part in that for me. Love it. Is it, is it considered uh, inappropriate to use it on a coworker during the day? <laughs> I mean, would I be I am to... not answering that question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are you, uh, would you ever use it on Grant Williams when he starts uh, you know, talking back too much? I mean, is that... Is that I some... am not answering that. You're not, not going to get me in trouble. I'll tell you that. Uh, okay. hey, hey, I'm about to put some on right now for the rest of this interview. <laughs> so, in case you don't know what mouth tape is, he confirms... This is at 98.5, the sports hub. That he sleeps with his mouth taped shut. Taped shut. Why? He's talking about food consumption. But he, so I know what? he gets to the point a little bit. He goes, yeah. Basically is he worried he was, he's going to eat in his no, sleep? No, 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 Justin. He was saying that he's so exhausted because, oh, my God, being a head coach of, the, of an NBA team, you're eating a lot of food. You're on the plane. It's luxury. Mm. So then you find yourself sleeping a little more poorly because you're just you're over indulging. And so he found a way to sleep better by like, adding this practice into his life. The, the so food thing bre- doesn't matter. Okay, so this is separate from the food. He's yes, not trying he to res- just, he he's not restricting talking. his diet. No. It's Does it's, he actually sleep with tape on his mouth? Down. Yes. So what's the benefit? Just to breathe through your nose? Yeah, I guess it makes him maximize his sleep better. What if, what if he just like a little ind- indigestion? It encourages <laughs> you to breathe through your nose rather than your mouth and apparently it helps you sleep better. What if he's a little stuffy? Well, just then like, you're screwed. See just, you never. Just wakes <laughs> wakes up in an absolute panic. I don't see how this would help anyone. I bet there's people listening right now that sleep with their mouth shut. Sure. Taped shut. But if, like, you need some air subconsciously while sleeping, Get a dehumidifier or a humidifier, whatever one helps. One. You, you wouldn't do this? No. Try I, it I might, one night. I Try might, it one night. I might die if i did this i think your body would, this, would this find seems a way da- it seems dangerous i don't know man i think i think we might be onto something we should try i'll try it one night
Okay, you can report back. I'll try it. It's sleep tape. Apparently, it's like a like he's not using duct tape or like okay, alien tape, tape. From is it like semi permeable? Like, can you get a little air out of it if you need it? I don't know the fabric fibers of the sleep tape. I don't have the sleep tape is too much, buddy. He does it, and he says it changes life. I would try it once. I'll try this. Okay, all right. Find me some sleep tape. I'm not going to use duct tape, okay? But I'm going to use, I'll find some sleep tape. I'll give it a go. How about this? World Baseball Classic bet. The loser uses sleep tape one night. No, for a week. Well, what if it's really like, if I if I lose and get 30 minutes because I can't breathe, <laughs> I, think I'm, I think it's only a one night thing. Where was this mouth tape when I hosted the show with J.D. Bunkus? Nice. That was good. Um, all right. Well, apparently it helps you also stop snoring at night in the text line. Somebody uses it. I want to know. Let that, me know. Like, it might be the, the benefit might be for his wife or girlfriend or whoever. Mm-hmm. Like, No, it's for it's, his sleep. All right. And he loves it. And we're going to try it. One of us bet. is trying sleep, sleep tape. tape. Let's all right. do it. Let's go. Apparently you can get a giant tiger. <laughs> Good one. Uh, all right. We're, we're going we're gonna... to. If I lose, I will personally enter a giant tiger and buy it for myself. Hell yeah. Um, all right. Donovan Bennett on the other side of the break. Host and writer and producer of Sportsnet and host of the Going Deep podcast. It's been a while since we caught up with him. Let's talk about Fred Van Vliet and that massive fine pending. No mouth tape yesterday on the podium.